welcome to the Time for Teaching podcast. This podcast explores the joys and challenges of teaching in higher education. I'm Kelly Fox. And I'm Kim Reed. And as always, I'm very excited to be here today. And today we have the opportunity to talk with Mr. Joshua Barath. My experience working with Josh and getting to see his passion and enthusiasm for teaching and learning has been an absolute pleasure over the years. And in learning a bit about his story and his commitment to a culture of learning, the whole picture becomes a little bit more clear. Josh grew up in Simcoe, a small city in southwestern Ontario near Lake Erie. He eventually made his way out to London, Ontario, where he completed his undergraduate at the University of Western Ontario. Josh then took a great leap over the big pond, yep, the big pond, to spend time in Queensland, Australia, where he completed his Master's of Criminology at Bond University. This experience afforded him the opportunity to find balance between commitment and hard work within the classroom and lots of travel and fun outside of it. Not really sure which one he went to Australia for, but we'll talk to him about that. His next step was to begin pursuing his PhD at Charles Stewart University in New South Wales, Australia. This was where a passion for surfing was ignited, one that Josh hopes to share with his girls when they make their way back to Australia someday to visit. When he's not teaching, Josh is as committed to his daughters and their athletics as he is to teaching. He is a coach and a number one fan at many venues, including soccer, basketball, competitive cheerleading, and I think I'm going to get this right, Shorin Ryu Karate. Absolutely. Yay! When he's not in the classroom or a sporting arena, Josh and his family enjoy movie nights. And when he has the time, Josh loves podcasts and reading nonfiction books. Josh is an interesting, well-spoken, and innovative colleague and educator, and a great example of, of where passion and hard work can get you. Josh found his niche and realized that the switch from a kinesiology and law degree to a career in sociology and criminology was where his passion and interest truly lied. We're so grateful that his journey led him here today and to Georgian College. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Kim. Uh, I think you did a wonderful job with all the useless information that I provided you before <laughs> this, and you made it sound really, really good. So I hope that, uh, yeah, I can sound equally as impressive as how you just painted the picture. So oh, you I do. have no doubt, sure. no doubt. <laughs> so we're so excited to be chatting with you today, Josh. Thanks so much for being here. We'd love to start our chat by learning a little more about you and your connection to the world of education. So could you start by telling us a little bit about how you ended up teaching here at Georgian? So interesting question. Yeah, because um, I started teaching at both Fanshawe and Western um, when I got back from doing my master's in Australia, probably about almost 10 years between Fanshawe and Western while I was working full time in corrections and community corrections. And an opportunity came up to apply at Georgian. So I put in for a full-time position. I really thought nothing was going to come from it. I took the drive up the highway. Um, Honestly, remember calling my wife and saying, um, yeah, I'm here. I'm not really sure where here is, except remember when we went to that concert at Burles Creek. I'm kind of in that area. Um, (laughs) And oddly enough, I knew some of the people through colleagues 
who were in the interview room, which uh, good, bad or indifferent, uh, worked out in my favor and I got hired to work here full time. So I've been here since 2011. It's going on 10 years and it's been uh, it's been an awesome journey to get here so far. So, gosh, Josh, 10 years. That's something. Yeah, it's crazy to think that. So, <laughs> wow. All right. So, you and I were chatting actually recently about uh, a field placement, actually, you sort of started in that conversation about, hey, how are you? What's new? And that sort of thing. And you started to talk about uh, the field placement for your semester five students you know, that's required for their curriculum. So in the before times, your students would have to go out on a placement to an agency and and they would learn about that agency, which is a very traditional capstone experiential learning experience many programs at Georgian um, offer. But with COVID, uh, your students weren't able to go. So your team worked together to creatively develop a plan and your team really uh, worked creatively to figure this out. So... Can you uh, outline how your team pulled together to change the foundational structure of your co-op or your placement and how, you know, traditionally your students will go out on their placements, but how your team managed to completely flip that on its head? So talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, I mean, it was interesting. We were planning all along with the the goal or the intention or the hope that they would get to go out to the the placements. Um, I think everybody's kind of had that plan in mind where they would love to have that student experience for them. But as we realized it wasn't going to happen, it was, okay, how do we make this something that is a really, you know, meaningful opportunity for the students so that they can actually, you know, get as close to something that they would being in the field, if not more. And actually, to be honest with you, I think by kind of the creativity that we pulled together have managed to actually offer the students a lot more than what they would have traditionally got in just one placement agency because our our crew, they would go out and they would do Thursday, Friday, Um, at one agency for 14 weeks in their final semester. What we've managed to do, um, and we've we've actually pulled together a lot of different moving parts, if you will, that I'm not quite sure if they uh, were going to (laughs) work when we first put it together. But it's it's actually working really well. So we we started with the idea that we're still going to stick on that Thursday, Friday model. Um, so they are going to do a, a two day a week kind of, you know, employability type format. But what do we do to fill that time? And what we did is we went to um, the provincial program learning outcomes. We looked at the essential employability learning outcomes, looked at the ideas of, you know, the course learning outcomes and then the core competencies that they have to do. So when they go out in placement, they've got these uh, supervisory and mentor monitoring evaluations that get done. And it was really, you know, what did we do to make sure that they're still hitting on all of those core skills and competencies that they need? They're still meeting the provincial standards and the program standards, but they're doing it in, you know, a really kind of interesting way. And, you know, we we talked and we came together with some ideas of, well, what could we do to bring subject matter experts in? And we went to our agency partners and said, you know, we can't have them out with you, but would you come in and do a, you know, a one hour or maybe a two hour guest spot of a subject matter discussion about what your agency's about and who you deal with, some of the issues or challenges and the opportunities that you have in your career. And we actually have more 
agencies than we do weeks, to be honest with you, because we've had so much in terms of opportunity and not just, you know, local uh, Simcoe County agencies. We've pulled agencies from across the province. So that was one of the pieces that we had. And, and we said, you know, how can we connect this? So the students are doing speaker reflections and they're looking at, you know, how does this relate to what I want to do in my job when I get out into the field and what networking opportunities can I get from this? So, Josh, that's very interesting to me because what you have basically, if I'm hearing you correctly, is you've been able to expose students to almost all over the province for which, you know, again, if they only went to one place, like you said, then they'd only have that one experience. Um, But to me, that seems like what a wealth of opportunity because you may not geographically been able to get to that, you know, placement or you never, you know, you might have thought, I'm not really interested in that. And then all of a sudden you find out, well, maybe I am interested after sort of hearing that exposure or experience from the speaker. So, you know, what a great opportunity for your students. Yeah, it's it's really opened up a lot. Um, and we've got some amazing feedback on that. The students have said, like, we really love getting to hear from all of these different opportunities because, I mean, the Community Justice Services program is one that has so many different opportunities for the students to get into that a lot of the times they don't even realize what they could do until they get to you know, learn from the subject experts and they go, oh, I could do that. That's really cool. I I had no idea. And how do I get involved in that? Um, and what do I need to do to make that happen? So um, it's, it's actually been extremely beneficial. That's one of the pieces that, you know, we're in a program of renewal right now and we're really hoping, you know, how can we make this fit and, and move forward with it? So it wasn't, it's not just a, oh man, we had to figure out something for our current situation. Let's problem solve. And then when we go back to traditional normal, we'll go back to tradition. Uh, no, we're probably going to use this, you know, moving forward as a regular platform. So while we, we've, you know, scrambled to pull it together in the real time live and we go, I don't know if this is actually going to work. There's a a lot of stuff that's come out that is uh, is really really beneficial and I mean with the the speakers we honestly thought you know they'd give us an hour or an hour and a half um, essentially every speaker has said you know we are a wealth of knowledge and networking that is not just us but everybody else that we are connected to so I mean if you want to connect to us and then we'll connect you to somebody else um, the students are getting so much in terms of that networking which is a core piece in terms of career stuff. But we actually had some of our, our our subject experts come forward and say, you know, we'll do this, this uh, presentation, but we'll also give them the opportunity to work through tailored cover letters or, and resumes and do mock interviews with us. Um, so, I mean, it's not uncommon that, you know, programs do a mock interview, but they do them with the current faculty or the part-time faculty, which is good. I mean, it does give that experience, but it's a whole different level of experience when you're talking to somebody that you don't really know who they are and you know that they actually work for an agency that is there. So the tailored cover letter and resumes are literally being built for jobs that are internal job postings. So they're not current active job postings, but they are jobs within these agencies that the students are actually getting to you know, go through building a cover letter and a resume and an interview as though they were actually you know applying for this job and then reflecting back on it so uh we were you know shocked we've had community partners who have gone you know i'll do one but i also know four other agencies that i'll connect you with 
and I'll come in and help you with those at the same time. And we've had other agencies that have gone, we'll do one better where we'll come in, but then we'll also have them do an interview with us as though we were hiring them. Uh, We had agencies who... Um, some of our students are going on to other programs at university level, and they've literally said, when you're doing your internship for that program, you call me and I'll take you on as your placement at that point in time. So, um, I mean, these are all things that we had no idea that would you know happen from it, but it's been fantastic. Yeah, it sounds amazing. So you've said so much here, and this is kind of my first introduction to this information. So I feel like I have so many questions and so much, so much to unpack here. So the first thing is I want to just mention that we've talked a lot on the podcast and we've talked about it in different contexts across the college as well about the idea of the COVID catalyst. So this seems to be one of those products that comes out of the COVID catalyst that you may never have had the, the intense motivation that we did based on the COVID-19 pandemic and having to kind of pivot, which is one of our favorite words, of course, but pivot and to kind of um, rethink how to help students meet these learning outcomes and to still get that job placement experience in some sort of a sense. Um, So yeah, reminiscent of the idea of the COVID catalyst, which is great. You also talk about the new normal, which I think is so important as well. Um, It's the idea of saying just because something worked previously doesn't mean that it's the way we have to continue to do it forever. Um, It sounds like there's some really fantastic outcomes coming out of this new model. And uh, I think it's a good reminder to all of us that there's the old adage, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, But there's also ideas about like, just because something has worked in the past doesn't mean it has to continue to be the way to move forward. Um, So I have one other question too, Josh, kind of building on this. Um, So it sounds like the um, community partners and the people who you've, you know, have these relationships with and have been kind of sending students to for co-ops in previous years have been absolutely phenomenal and they've been great contributors to what I think will be a great success for this. So if anyone else was thinking about um, how they could do something similar in their own program areas, what kind of incentive are these community partners getting? So what is, what are they getting out of it? Or how did you, how did you broach these conversations and how did you um, kind of start this new discussion around a new relationship with these community partners? I would say, you know, be creative. Don't be afraid to ask that basic kind of question. Uh, And you're probably going to be, you know, as we are blown away with the amount of people who are willing to to do that for us. And, you know, Georgian is really built on that. Like we have always had strong relationships with our community partners. Um, and you also talk about our graduates as well. And one of my favorite things is having a student watch, walk across the stage and knowing that they're going to be a graduate and being so proud of them. But then also when they are connected back to the college afterwards, you know, because they had a positive experience and they now too want to share, you know, the next generation or the next cohort or whatever. So uh, that's fantastic. And you sound like you have a really strong network and connection within uh, your, within your industry. Fantastic. So kind of building on that again, um, it's no secret that co-op placements are ripe with learning opportunities for students. Um, We hear so much fantastic feedback from students who have had the opportunity to do co-ops about um, how it allowed them the opportunity to establish those connections and it showed them what kind of quote unquote real life is like in these jobs. Um, It gives them the opportunity to really apply the skills that they work so hard to to gain and polish in their uh, college experience. So um, 
when students are entering the workplace on a co-op placement, uh, it also allows them to polish and expand on their essential employability skills. Um, and I know you mentioned before that that's still a main focus of this new model as well. Um, so for anyone who's not aware or needs to kind of needs a reminder of the essential employability skills if they haven't looked them up recently, uh, the Ontario Ministry of Colleges and Universities identifies the essential employability skills as communication, numeracy, critical thinking and problem solving, information management, interpersonal and personal management. So Josh, how do you think these skills apply to your students' learning experience and how is this connection with the essential employability skills mapped back to your course learning and goals? So this is always something that's, um, you know, an important piece with us for the program because we hear from our industry partners, we have recruiters come in all the time to talk to us about this, to talk to the students about this. So we wanted to really make sure that that was embedded within all of the work that the students are doing. Um, you know, an example that I share with the students and actually they got to hear it themselves straight from the recruiters when they say, we work in an industry that has high levels in terms of, you know, mental health and mental well-being. And we work in an industry that, you know, has to work on equity and equality and inclusion. And we have such a diverse population that we work with both in the community and in an institutional type setting. You have to have the, the knowledge, but you also have to have the skills and the abilities to make use of that knowledge. Uh, and we've actually had recruiters who have said, you know what, here's a, here's a scenario for your interview. You are working for us in the field and, you know, tell me about the three top demographic populations that are of concern within our field and what are you going to do about it? And the recruiters have literally said, you know, it's not good enough to say, well, you know, we know that indigenous populations are overrepresented in terms of, you know, 44% or whatever the statistic is, you know, sometimes it's even 60% within certain institutions. It's not good enough to say that we have a high number of mental health issues and addictions issues. What are you going to do with it? And they, they stress the importance of things like interpersonal communications and problem solving skills and looking at that creative thinking and that inclusive practices that are there. So when we were designing, you know, the pieces of this current model, it was, you know, how do we get that there? Because one of the pieces, yes, they're going to get that from those subject matter experts and they're going to get that from those, you know, reflective activities that they're doing and the interviews that are there. But we also said we need to do something else so that they can learn more about that, like really dig in and learn more about those issues and then figure out what they're going to do with those issues. So another piece that we actually did, um, one of those other big moving parts is we, we came up with this idea of a justice for all overarching theme or umbrella. And within that, what we did is we essentially came up with three sub themes. The first sub theme was looking at the ideas of social justice, equity, inclusion, and equality. And that being, you know, how do we make sure that those different populations are um, supported throughout the system? We, we came up with another sub theme that looked at the ideas of traditional styles of justice and alternative styles and alternative forms of justice. Those being things like mediation and, you know, specialized courts and, you know, alternative programming. And then the third sub theme we looked at was a big theme in terms of mental health, not only for the clients, but also for the, the workers themselves in terms of the PTSD that they uh, face, the critical incident stress responses that they have to uh, address when they're working in the field. And we gave the students the opportunity 
opportunity to, much like they would in a traditional placement, rank which of these three topics that they wanted to be on a team for. Um, so, I mean, we've put them on teams and they literally have roles as though they are an employee within this agency that is working on this social problem. And we're, we're really trying to pull in all of those essential employability skills as part of this learning platform that is there. Um, so it sounds like the um, connection to the essential employability skills is kind of multi-leveled. And uh, basically, this is, again, something that we've talked a lot on the podcast, and it's kind of bringing things back to the big picture and talking to students about not only what these essential employability skills mean to us within the context of education and in the context of our classes and our learning outcomes, but it's taking that to the next step and it's showing them how these essential employability skills will help them to be successful within the context of their work. Um, I also think it's funny because it reminds me of kind of the idea of like, if I tell my kids something, they're like, oh, mom, come on, get out of here. And if someone else tells them, they're like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes really good sense. So it's the idea of like we can tell our students lots of times because we have that kind of, you know, that deeper connection with our students because we see them on a regular basis. It's like, yeah, he said that. I guess it's important. And then if an employer comes in and says, no, it's really important. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. OK, it's really important that I do this. So sometimes it's just nice to have another point of contact and someone else just reinforcing the same thing things that we're saying in our classes as well. Over to you, Kelly. That was like your sexy voice. Over to you, Kelly. (laughs) Over to you, Kelly. Let me mess my hair up a little bit. (laughs) As a mom, I think it's been years since someone said sexy and me in the same sentence. So it's like, I just, I really need to relish in these moments. Love that. Uh, so, Josh, in your description of the um, experience for this new air quotes, I'm air quoting right now, this new uh, experience for students, um, you talked about sort of answering big questions, you know, so go out and find out more about mental health or go out and find out more about um, indigenization or indigenous cultures or something. How do you support the students with their learning? of some of these concepts or some of these topics. So we've done a couple of things with that. I mean, when we brought in the subject matter experts, we gave those individuals some of the background in terms of the projects that they're working on so that when they're, you know, sharing about their organization or agency, they can actually speak to some of the topics that how they address those topics, um, which is great because it does give, again, some of that, um, you know, working knowledge, even though it does, like you said, Kim, it may come from us, you know, time and time again over the two years. If it comes from the industry, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that, you know, it really is important. So it, it gives that piece from the industry as a, you know, we're dealing with that right now. But at the same time, what we've also done is we've worked in a lot of training opportunities. Um, So two of the training opportunities that we have uh, for the students is the uh, START program, which is in connection with Georgian's mental health um, platform and the Living Works programming, which is fantastic. Um, Our students had the opportunity to go in and actually 
myself as well as Jen, who's the uh, faculty who's running the course. Um, we had the opportunity to complete the training alongside with the students. And then um, the team from Georgian came in and actually did a debrief as part of one of those subject matter expert discussions that was there for one of the weeks. So that was awesome that they we were able to partner with somebody from inside Georgian to give them this information and knowledge and awareness that applied to the industry itself. Uh, and we also did that with the uh, Four Seasons of Reconciliation training, which is offered through um, the indigenization platform. And uh, we were again able to partner with Emma, uh, who has been amazing as part of this process. Um, and Mercedes from the Aurelia campus, um, she gave us a lot of input on it as well. Um, so we had these two mandatory pieces. They were selected as mandatory for a big reason in so much that those are two of the biggest areas within the field of community justice and corrections that the students have to have that knowledge and awareness of. And then being able to actually put that into action or practice of how to support individuals. Um, so that's why we made those mandatory. And then as we also came up with, and I mean, we, we scoured the, the internet and I went back to my old training days when I was the uh, training and programming coordinator at the agency that I used to work at and went, well, what were all those things that I had to have to make sure that all of my staff were trained in in order to be able to do their job. And we literally built a, a platform of all of these different trainer opportunities that look at everything from homelessness to youth to addictions to human trafficking to um, more on mental health and well-being and, um, you know, different diversity and inclusion trainings that's there. And we provided the links and the lists to the students. But we gave them the opportunity to choose which ones they wanted to do. So there were mandatory training that was there. That was the start training and the indigenous uh, four seasons of reconciliation training. But then we said, you know, you have to do X number more. Um, but you get to pick which ones you want to do from these trainings. So we're really trying to have that student driven learning where it's, you know, I want to work with youth when I'm finished. So I'm going to focus more on the youth training or I want to work more in like an addictions type setting. So I'm going to focus more on that training that's based around things like substance abuse and addictions. Or maybe I want to work with females. So I'm going to do more training that is based on the risks and needs of females. And it really gets the them the opportunity again to go back to if this was my job what is the skills and the ability and the knowledge that i would need to do to do my job well we're really trying to blur the lines and blur the distinctions between them being a student and what it, it means to be an employee um, and this is the knowledge you have to do when you're in the field and it's not good enough to just well i read it in our manual and that's it you continually have to do more training and more learning so here's all all this additional training and learning that's there um, so, you know, we really wanted to give the students the opportunity to learn about some of these core things that they need, but also pick what other areas might be more applicable or relevant to where they want to go. Um, while at the same time, making sure that they all get some training that is there. And we found that, you know, they're actually sharing with each other now going, well, I did this training, but from that training, I got invited to this training. And I think you would like that training. So, again, very you know, natural, organic, where it's just become its own kind of uh, opportunity within an opportunity for the students. So 
so it sounds like your students are doing some pretty amazing things and that the connections that they're making with content, with prospective employers, with each other, with you are all fantastic. I think it speaks uh, a lot to the culture that you're creating for your students and the um, opportunities that you're presenting to them and the invitations that you're putting out there. So um, kudos to you and your team on that. Um, we want to talk about one more thing before we part ways today. So we've heard you describe this new model, the new kind of co-op model as a high flex multimodal learning experience. Um, these are, it's a nice collection of hot button words that we are hearing in lots of different, uh, lots of different contexts right now. Uh, so could you explain to folks who are unfamiliar with these terms, what high flex learning means for your students? So for our students, um, I mean, as the as the coordinator, we've always tried to look at, you know, how can we add more elements and more levels to the programs so that they're, you know, fully engaging for the students. For us, I mean, that's what it is. This kind of high flex learning model is giving them the opportunity where we're learning together collaboratively through our virtual sessions. So we actually do offer like virtual live real-time discussion sessions. We do those subject matter expert components that are there. They go off and they do their own learning at the same time in so much that because it's a two day a week block, we have it scheduled as, as though they would be working. So you know what, this is our, our, you know, our team meeting in the morning and then you go off and you do some activities and then you go back together and you you meet in the afternoon with um, your team through your um, collaborative project that you're working on, either through Microsoft Teams or uh, we're using Mural and they do Zoom with Eventbrite. So they're learning a lot of tech stuff at the same time. Um, and, you know, and then other times it really is designed so that they are documenting their learning, which is like home learning, not homework. You know, they, it is independent. They're learning on their own, but they're given tasks to complete as though you would be at work. So, you know, your boss isn't going to be sitting over top of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I say that because in the field of corrections, we work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where they can be eight, 10, 12 hour shifts, um, the evenings, weekends, you name it. But you have to be able to work you know, collaboratively, but also independently on your own. And we've really tried to design that in this kind of high flex model where, you know, we're giving them things to learn about. They're developing their skills on their time in their way, but they're also connected to, to us as a community in terms of the faculty and the supports at the college. As I said, you know, the mental health and the indigenization training that they have the supports through the field placement office. Um, we're really looking at trying to have the students arrive at their end goals of, you know, knowledge, skills, training, abilities, meeting these learning outcomes, because it's being driven by curiosity and being driven by their desires and their goals. Um, so, you know, while we have some work that we, you know, have them assigned to do, so they may take some of that time to do it on their own outside of class. Um, others is where they're getting to learn those new skills, uh, you know, <laughs> navigating through Teams and, and Zoom and, and WebEx and, and all the other platforms. That's been an adventure in and of itself. I, I can't say that everything has gone flawlessly. It's not. Um, there's been a lot of challenges along the way, but it, they're learning a lot of those skills. And at the same time, they're also getting to explore concepts that they're interested in that is going to be more related or applicable to them. So we're really trying to do this, you know, truly multimodal 
taking the learning away from just the content and putting it into an interconnected kind of platform where they're drawing together everything that they're learning and it's all piecing back to those, you know, essential employability skills, those provincial learning outcomes, the core competencies that they would have to meet on their field placement supervisor reports because they're also doing those reports as though they're an employee and doing a yearly report of how to how have I done at my job and I'm going to pull uh, one from Kelly's books there and I'm air quoting at my job and they have to report on what do they need to do? Do they need to improve? Do they think they're doing okay? What would they do to improve? And we're really just trying to pull all that connectivity together of what they've learned over the last two years, but also pull it into this meaningful kind of platform for them moving forward that gives them responsibility and accountability and obstacles to overcome and challenges to, to face and, and to report back on, but also supporting them at the same time through these virtual sessions and then, you know, through Blackboard and um, and everything else. So uh, it's, it's really opened up an opportunity that I think, you know, I don't think anybody would have ever planned to do something in this kind of format. But like I said, it, it's really been great. And we're now moving forward and going, well, what do we do to make this work so it can continue within our program because it has had a lot of successes and you know maybe we pull some sections out and put it in certain courses and we put others in other courses or maybe it stays together as this entire model that we have here wow josh you know when i hear you talking and you know kim had said to you're hitting a couple of uh, hot button words for sure but you know what the other thing i'm hearing when i'm i'm listening to you as well is in and kim and i have to do you know we have to do our readings and we we talk about teaching and learning and we we hear from other people and you know I do uh, a lot with Twitter so I'm learning from you know other institutions what they're doing and but a lot of the times when I'm reading about these things or I'm hearing about these things it's one of those um, you know utopias of oh you know wouldn't it be great if we could or wouldn't it be awesome if this happened and gosh Josh you are doing everything you are you've got everything incorporated that would be a dream for uh, teaching and learning. Um, You are uh, ahead of the curve and it's such a delight to know that you are actually enacting everything that in the literature says, well, thou shalt or should, or this is a good idea. This is a high, this is a best practice and you are doing it all. What a, what a thrill for the students. What a great opportunity uh, for your students as well. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, We will invite, Invite you back anytime. In fact, what we would like to do is invite you back to hear a little bit more about how things are going or how things went or what is some of the feedback. Um, we, I'd love to follow this story and just see sort of where you keep going and where you land and where you keep going. So, uh, yeah, thank you so very much and I look forward to the next time. Thank you. Um, thank you both, Kim and, and Kelly, to letting me ramble on for the last hour. Um, I hope I hope we stayed on track as much as possible and there's some useful stuff that you can get from this. But oh, there I, is. I'm happy to reach out and have people connect with me to, to ask about how it worked or why it worked because 99% of the times what's swirling around in my head doesn't always land how it should on paper or work out in reality, but every once in a while it does. So um, I'm happy to, you know, if anybody wants to reach out and connect to to have those conversations so that's awesome 
Uh, that's a great offer, Josh. And thank you so much. I'm sure there will be lots of folks who'd love to take you up on that. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we can't wait to chat to you again soon and good luck with the rest of the term. And uh, yeah, gosh, that's a lucky group of students you folks have in that department. And I uh, can't wait to hear about how it all turns out. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Bye now. Bye. Bye.